Welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. <laughs> we we are finally doing an episode together. Yay! In a while. It's a crazy know. season. I can't it's believe. It's a crazy time of year. Yeah. Three days. Like, I was like, what? You had like, wrapped anything. You had like three cheer conferences, though, didn't you? I had two. I had oh, Steel two? City Comic Con in the middle, so I got oh. a break. Um, but I got freaking food poisoning at Steel City, so yeah, yeah I'm still like pretty tired from it. But I have my my Gatorades. There nice. you go. Yeah, oh, that's no fun. And no, I would I would rather have a sore throat any day. Would you rather see Aquaman? I knew that again? was coming. <laughs> that's that's hard. That's to... a hard one. I think I'd rather have the stomach flu just because people expect you to vomit when you have like the stomach flu or food poisoning. But like if I vomit while I'm watching Aquaman 2, I don't think people would understand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> or appreciate it. I mean, I, I was able to find one good thing about the movie. Like I always do. I try to find one good thing. I also try to understand why fans would like this film uh -huh. i don't i will not understand after this weekend when you have hardcore dc fans come out and if they say this movie is amazing i don't i i i don't i don't know i mean i don't know what i'm gonna do about yeah, it but I, I, lies anybody's gonna ask for the, there's gonna uh, be yeah. at least yeah. one to two people on our circle of the facebook there's going to be a big movement for Rebel Moon's The Greatest Thing Ever Made. I I actually do understand that one. Okay. Um, I do not hate Rebel Moon. Okay. Um, but I that have lots of opinions. Stuff. I have so many opinions. And if you want to see and hear my very passionate opinions about these two movies, um, I was on an episode of um, Visually, Visually Stunning, stunning um, podcast with our friend Mark. And it's up on his website. Now I will share a link um, on my Facebook page. But um, yeah, I I usually don't get super heated. Uh, there was a lot of heat. There was some poop talk. Ooh. I did not swear one time. Okay. Um, but there were some fingers. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, I kind of feel like I loved what Zack Snyder did with Superman and the rest of the DC universe. So I can't mm. wait to see what he does with star Wars. Chef's kiss. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is the thing is it's star Wars, Dune, Firefly, Gladiator, Mad Max, uh, Viking, whatever. Like it's 10 different movies in one movie. It's basically Zack Snyder giving his finger to every single filmmaker that made that those films saying, I can do it better and let me piecemeal it together. If he would have chosen two, I know he can't ever choose one, two <laughs> to three of those ideas and was able to edit himself was, and not be so pompous about what he can do, it would have worked. Was more than half the movie in slow-mo? 
What's the over-under on there that? There were some Matrix moments. I heard um, there's so much slow-mo in this. There was two scenes that really didn't need it, but there well, were some like scenes where it a worked. Lot of, like swirling capes with slow-mo and I mean, I don't remember it. There weren't too many for me, but my my overall opinion is that it was the most beautiful unoriginal movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> because what what Snyder does do well mm-hmm. is being behind the camera, being a cinematographer. He was writer, director, cinematographer of this film. Yeah, um, nobody else wants to work with Like him. director of photography. <laughs> but what he did that I give him applause for um, that other filmmakers should have done this year because it was the year of really bad CGI, right? Yes. But yeah. what he did because he knew he didn't have the budget for amazing CGI is he did this like smoke and mirror magic with lights and camera angle. Like technically as a film school nerd, I was like, that is cool. I see what you did there. He's making me feel this way. The first 10 minutes of the film, I was like, oh, I am getting my space Western that is going to be like a little more radar. Cause as much as I like serenity, I wanted it to be a little more, right? Watching it and I'm like, oh, we're going to get this. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. That's Predator. Wait, that's the Matrix. Wait, that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Wait, that whole scene is from Star Wars Rebels. Like it was, but it had so much potential. So it made me so angry Mm. because it was beautiful. It was technical amazement the casting was great they actually were good like the whole cast was great he had everything he could get to have a good movie but he got in his own way and and there's going to be a three hour version of it that's a totally complete different side of the movie Netflix wanted a pg-13 this will be two hour 15 minutes then on netflix there's going to be a three-hour version which has nothing to do with this version yeah come on Zack snyder and this is only half he's got a sequel coming yeah second half is coming it's exhausting yeah it's it's weird though to hear you say that he got in his own way because that's just so not like him He has three really good movies behind his belt. As much as I, Watchmen is in there. Um, Is it Sucker Punch? Sucker Punch Um, is okay. Well, I I liked the idea that he took a chance with that and he actually had a full idea. And I like Man of Steel. So, like, I didn't hate Man of Steel. I didn't hate that one, but I had major problems with it. But I hated Batman v Superman. Well, yeah, that was... So I think on those movies, though, I think with Man of Steel, especially like he wasn't just given free reign, like he could do a lot, but he wasn't. And I think they kind of gave him the keys to the kingdom after that. And he was it's it's similar to. okay. and I'm not trying. You you guys know how much I love making Star Wars fans mad, but it's similar (laughs) to George Lucas with the Star Wars prequels where he. Wanted all and and with the special edition of Star Wars, where he was believing his own hype and adding in, and nobody was there to say, "George, this yeah. is too much. Let's yeah. pull it back." Yeah, yeah. Um, and you need you need a friend like that if you're mm-hmm. going to be making yeah. movie or any art, yeah. someone to say, "Well, no, man, you've gone too far." 
Yeah. Yeah. And Rebel Moon, it was it, it was pitched to Star Wars. Yeah. And to Lucas and they turned it down. And so then he brought it back. He rewrote it and made it even more Star Wars. And <laughs> and again, basically gave the finger. And there are some moments in it where there's some Lucas esque dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's too, not yeah. it's not enough that it bothered me. Um, there were, again, I don't hate it. There was a lot of things about it that I loved and the main actress was amazing. And I love the droid because you know how much I love droids. You are a droid. Um, but again, I'm looking at the droid and I'm like, I've seen this droid before. Mm. It's two different Star Wars droids in one droid. And it's exactly like Rogue One, like that with the droid being recycled that used to be a war droid okay. and now is not. Um, there's also a little bit of like uh, the sword in the stone, like knights. Like there, there's wow. there's a bunch of things. There's uh, some Game of Thrones elements in there. Um, Space dragons. No, there's no, there's none of that. It's more of like the king and the darkness of it. There's, there's some moments where um, it's a minority report. There's a little bit minority report. There's a little bit, of course, the matrix. Um, I kind of call it the wish of Snyder. So if you go see wish from Disney, Disney, it was their hundred year celebration. So they picked all of their movies over the decades and they put it in this movie and they made it different. But if you know what the movies are, the whole movie, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I get it. Da, da, da. This is that. But none of the work was his. He, <laughs> Instead of being inspired by other people's work, which I'm totally for, is being right. inspired. But this is just like, I'm going to take that scene and that scene and yeah. that character and this. And I- and I think it's hard, you know, be, I think you're right. Being inspired, it's so common because it's hard not to, when you're making a film or making a book or whatever, not take from the stories that you know and love and try to put your own spin on it, own interpretation. Like that's that's common. You're inspired, you're influenced, whatever you want to call it. That's very different from just stealing a scene yeah. or stealing a concept. Yeah. And changing the name or something so that it's now yeah. yours. So this one, I'm, I can see why Snyder fans and action film fans will, I get, I will get it. Um, because again, there are so many great things about it, but he is just, it, it is just pompous. Like to me, it is. That's Zack Snyder. So, you yeah. know, and, and, and if that's why you like him, you are going to love the crap out of it. You're just going to eat it up with a little spoon and, uh, but don't go see Aquaman. I mean, some people are still going to go see Aquaman. That's fine. But All I right. warned you, I warned you about yeah. it. But what's really cool is instead of those two crap movies, there's a lot of really great movies opening up this weekend. And we're going to talk about one of them, but two of them are sports films. So the Iron Claw, which we're talking about, and then Boys in the Boat, which opens on Christmas Day, both sports movies, one of them formulaic, which I'm totally okay with the sports movie. Right. Both of them are based on a true story, right. and they're both really cool to watch, but the Iron Claw is the better pick for me. Interesting. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, 
I'm interested in Boys in the Boat. I I don't follow rowing at all, so this is going to be one of those movies. <laughs> well, so I don't I, follow I wrestling. The sports movie, and I don't know the sport at all. Like you know, greatest game ever played is another one. I don't follow golf, but that movie's great. Yeah. If all well, of golf that I watched on TV it was like that movie. Yeah, the cool thing about George Clooney before we get into the Iron Claw is that George Clooney is a very specific director. He makes movies to just make a very straightforward good movie. He doesn't pick movies that have um, tricky storylines that are big action movies. He picks a movie that he knows is just going to be a very well-made movie. This is that sports movie. It is based on a true story, but it starts out with the underdog that has to work really hard to get where they want to go. People aren't sure if they're going to get there. Then they get there. Then they win. But, and, but, I am a huge sports movie fan and I'm okay with that. That's why I like it. Cause I know yeah. at the end I'm going to feel good. Whereas the iron claw it's is nothing. <laughs> it is not formulaic. I know nothing about, well, I am not, I know like some of the higher like points that are in pop culture about right. the pro wrestling world. But other than that, I didn't know about this family. I don't really know the ins and outs of what the wrestling world is. And you don't need to to be no. pulled in by this film. Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting. I I'm a little bit more familiar with the story, I think, um, than because we all saw it together. Yeah, yeah you, I feel like we're all at different. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I knew nothing. Tracy knew a little bit. Jake knows like all of it. Right. And and I think it's really hard with something like wrestling, um because you're trying to please two different audiences in this case, you're trying to please a mainstream audience that is not familiar with a lot of the wrestling terms, the history, well, especially the seventies wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're not as familiar with the territories and all like mm -hmm. mainstream audience isn't going to be familiar with all of that. So you've got to make it inviting enough that they will come in and enjoy it, but you don't want to reject the fans. You don't want to make it, I don't know, watered down too much or dumbed down too much that fans who do know that are, are going to be turned off by it. And that's a fine line to walk that I feel like they do a really good job uh, in this film. Yeah. A24 is um, the movie house. And I have yeah. to say, I've been so impressed by a 24 this year and the gambit mm -hmm. of different films that they put out. And they were so smart with this film um, because it could go in a way that it's totally hokey. Because when you oh, tell yeah. me we're going to go learn about WWE or we're going to watch a movie about wrestling, I'm like, okay. Like, it yeah, could have gone other... in a really hokey way. And the only thing hokey about this movie is somebody's cousin that ended up playing um, the what? who is the bigger wrestler that everybody knows? Ultimate oh. Warrior. No, no, in the film. Oh, well, they mentioned Rick, oh, Rick Flair. Like oh that was God. the only hokey thing about that, the movie, but was... it actually it actually was kind of great that no. it was yeah, because no. for me as somebody that doesn't, you know, like it kind of took me out of the film, but at the same time I'm like I feel like Rick Flair is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so, but I also think that somebody like literally promised someone that their nephew yes or, like cousin could be in the film yeah. and that's who they cast as Rick so, yeah the the promo that he gives um is like word for word a promo that rick flair did oh like, wow 
it's very much what he said and what he did. But Ric Flair is so distinct and his uh-huh. gimmick is so him that whoever this actor is. And, and what's funny is I looked up the actor and he's like known for his impression work, oh. like doing impressions and things like that. And he missed the mark on this. Like oh, it this did not feel like Ric Flair to me. Yeah, it stuck out like a sore thumb. It did. It, and it's hard because I think Ric Flair is a hard person to impersonate because he's yes. so unique and so him, but. But I've Ooh. seen some decent Ric Flair impersonations and this is not one. He so, even messed up the woo. Like that was <laughs> the, the reason why I liked it, and maybe like I'm reaching, but the reason why I liked it is because through the duration of this film, um, it's very serious. And the family and the dad and the brothers are also serious about getting this title and how their family is being overlooked. And there's all of these people that are going around and above them because you know, they're jokers, they're clowns, they've got like this personality. And for them then to go to this person that people put on a pedestal as one of the best wrestlers, and then they go to him and he's the biggest joke throughout the whole movie to me, like made sense, but I don't think that's what they were going for. But for me, it hit because I was like, sometimes when you are trying to work so hard at a goal and people put them up here and then you meet those people in real life and they're nothing like you think mm, they would be yeah. like, that's kind of how I felt about it, but I don't think that's how they meant it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Ric Flair was, was way flamboyant, way over the top, but yeah. he, he was so well-known and so respected yeah. in a lot of, yeah. And yeah, so but just, yeah, but underneath was he, was he that cool of a person or at home? Was he like this? No, probably not. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine usually with the gimmicks, the really good gimmicks, they take kind of their personality and turn it up to 11. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that I think is who Ric Flair is. And that's um, the rock. Like Jason Momoa and Aquaman. Jason Momoa. I loved his Sorry. Uh, Fast and the Furious. The, the, oh, that's one of the best. best. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Not Aquaman. But, we lost you. Sorry, I I accidentally oh. swiped my uh my touch. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. Bye, Jake. Bye, Jake. Like, <laughs> um, Can we but, get into the cast of this film? Yeah, because the the cast is really really strong, and not just Zac Efron who was, was like I think he was using this movie to audition to play the Hulk because he was. He, that's exactly massive. what I was thinking. I he put it in like my he, review that he, he looks, looks like, like a, a, a young Lou Ferrigno yeah. mixed yeah. with a little bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like it was there. He, for somebody to Holy go in and say cow. that yeah. I need to break away from what people expect of me and I need to um, melt into this character. He couldn't just get some muscles. Like he needed to go all the way and he transformed himself. I yeah. did not yeah. see Zac Efron the entire movie. I saw him as his character. Yeah. Yeah, he he was really really good in this movie. I think this is one of his better I think it's his best performance. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, like but Jake, easily. But Jake guy in real life wasn't that bulked, was he? No. I, I was looking at prime. photos. Yeah, in his prime, he was bulkier. Like now, he's not. Obviously, he's well, he's sure, much yeah. older. But right. But I don't think he was ever that 
but he was yeah, just they, like they made him look pretty good he was like like this like oh yeah my gosh yeah the one that was more like that i feel like was carrie in real uh -huh. life um but yeah i was looking at the pictures of carrie even michael was bigger in real life yeah. than he was yeah yeah so michael and this is an interesting character um because i i feel like so there's this follows the four von eric brothers we've got david uh kevin carrie and and michael mm -hmm. and if you don't know the story about of the von erics i'm not gonna spoil it here because yeah while it is a well-known story in wrestling circles i don't think it is yeah. mainstream and so right. you will experience it through the movie but um they were they all got into the family business which was professional wrestling but in real life there was actually another von eric brother um and he was smaller he was like he had some disease that made his bones really brittle like he just wasn't really cut out for wrestling and he ended up getting into the business as well. Um, when, your, when your dad was a major wrestler and all your brothers are major wrestlers yeah, and that family was so toxic masculinity in terms of yeah. this is how you show your manhood. I can't imagine what that brother must've been going through like, growing up in that family. I feel like they took parts of, of Michael, the, the youngest that's in the movie yeah. and this other brother and kind of, put it together put it together yeah so but but yeah michael i mean he looked like a wrestler at the time and um he was much more muscly than they showed him in the movie yeah kevin by far was the most muscly in the movie like zach yeah. Efron by far yeah. was the biggest and it's interesting because i think kevin uh was one that consulted a lot on the movie more i'm mean, sure well and i think it made the point of like you see him as the, out of all the brothers, like he was the most focused. He basically gave, like he didn't have a life. He had his family and then he had working out to wrestling and to show that he was the most dedicated to it. And then to show that his father kind of dismissed it was, I think it like, if he wouldn't have been that muscly, you'd be like, well, why is his dad like passing him up? Right. Yeah. Um, so to me, I really, because I don't know that much of the backstory, it made me as just a civilian watching it, like I didn't understand why he keeps passing him by. Um, yeah. And what was heartbreaking, again, without giving too much away, is that these brothers were tight. They're, yeah, they're they close. spent so much time together. They supported each other. They cheered each other on. And when they knew that like they all knew that Michael should not have been in the ring and that his heart was somewhere else, but because they all wanted to impress their dad so much and really like give him what he's always wanted. Cause they were all, he was live trying to live his dream through every single one of his sons. Yeah. And I don't think any of them wanted to say no. And even oh, though they all knew that Michael no. shouldn't be there, like they didn't know how to express that well, and to, see the heartbreak go through this family like that yeah. is like still that stayed with me well even when the the brothers are going to the older brother is kevin right the older brother yeah yeah, yeah. And, and they're like you've got to talk to mom because like none of the boys wanted to even talk to the dad about it yeah like, you've got to go through yeah. mom to get to dad and mom was yeah, like mom shut that down fast yeah. so, so i want to um, go through really quick though so we can talk about these characters and people understand the people behind them because it's so powerful so we've already talked about zach efron 
Jeremy Allen White plays Carrie. And if you don't know who he is, um, he's in The Bear. And he's in a bunch of other movies. But um, I think The Bear is what people know him for. Um, and just a phenomenal actor. And then you have Harris Dickinson, who is has always played the pretty boy, right? Um, mm -hmm. and his, and in this movie, I think he was also kind of unrecognizable and this is very different from the roles that he plays. Um, and then Mara Tierney, who just blew me away. And then the dad, um, he my, almost killed the show. I, I, yeah, I, he I was mean, really, all, really good. Yeah. Holt, um, is it McCallany? Is that how you yeah. say it? I think and so. then, um, Stanley Simmons, who plays Mike. It was just every time one of them was on screen, they all had the same amount of power. I don't think there was like a power struggle of who stood out more. Even, you know, when their mom came on, um, Mar is it Mara? Mara Tierney? She had one of the most quiet parts, but her body language and the looks in her face, they were not missed on audiences. Like I felt what she was feeling. Well, and the other female performance that was so strong is Lily James. Yeah. She was really, really good. She, she's really impressed me this year. Like, I was like, it's interesting because she was Cinderella in the Kenneth Branagh mm -hmm. Cinderella film. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like that she's branched out and done so many different things this year. I mean, like, she was Pamela Anderson in the Pam and Tommy series on Hulu and was outstanding. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. And she yeah. was really good here. She brings a real quiet dignity. Yeah. Um, to this role. Mm -hmm. She does. I, Harris Dickinson was probably the one to me that I was the most surprised uh, aside from the dad, but like uh -huh. him as David, he put in such a solid performance. I mean, his character was so yeah. captivating. And I think that is because of the performance, the, the, the actor yeah. and the way he delivered uh, it. Yeah. So. yeah. That dad though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, I think, and, and of course, because Zac Efron is the main actor, he's the main star, he gets the most time and stuff, but like right behind him was that dad. Like you don't often see a dad that is that domineering and that overbearing. Like mm -hmm. it just, like you felt it. Like when he's grabbing his son and he's like got him in that head claw. The iron claw in the iron claw. And he's like, do you feel that that's pressure? Like what you're yeah. complaining about, that's nothing. This, this is what you need to worry about. And it was like, like you're sitting there in your seat going, ow, ow. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I love about the the father, cause he is very domineering. He, the, you mentioned Val, the, the toxic masculinity that runs throughout that was Tracy. the film. Oh, was it Tracy that said yeah. it? Sorry, Tracy, you <laughs> said toxic masculinity that runs throughout the film. Um, but what was interesting was like many family relationships, it was very complex, right? Like, yeah, you think the dad's the bad guy. And in a lot of ways he felt very antagonistic, but they still loved him and respected him and they were still Absolutely. a family. And it was still like, yeah, they're still going to come home at Christmas. They're still going to yeah, be together as a family, even though there was that strained relationship. And even well, between the mother and the father, there was a, yeah, a well, and I was talking to Babe about this, like after the film and like, you have to put into consideration the time that this happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was in the early or the mid 1970s that yeah. 
you know, he really started, you know, his kids became of age that he could start training them. And that, and I want to say that his, the, the dad grew up in a time where you didn't really show a lot of affection to oh, your no. sons. Mm -hmm. And he just, he wanted to teach them the family business. He wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that they knew how to take care of themselves. They all worked on that farm. They all hung out together. They were a tight knit family. Um, and they all really wanted to be there. He wasn't making any of these no. kids be around. No. And, and so for me to say that he's the bad guy, he was doing what he thought he needed oh, to do sure. to keep his, to, to raise his sons in the best way. But I do think that if his wife knew how to speak up a little, that maybe some things would change. But again, she, she's in a time period with a man right. that she married in a small rural place in that time mm -hmm. period. And it just didn't happen very often where well, she supported him to the almost the end. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Jake, we were talking after the, the movie and you were saying, I mean, this was a time period where you didn't have multi-million dollar contracts. I mean, these no. guys were making hardly any money and they were paying for their own gas money. You were saying, Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, at this time, it, you know, professional wrestling, when you think about it now, it's, the WWE or what was formerly the WWF. And you think about like the nineties and there was WCW, which is what this promotion world-class championship wrestling yeah. eventually became WCW. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, but at this time it's still the territories and, and with the territories you were signed on to do a show. You got a cut from, of the, of the door, depending on how you perform things like that. And it was very much like, yeah, you paid your own way. You got there on your own um, and you didn't get flown there. You didn't get transport. It was all on you and you'd come and you'd be performing sometimes in a big stadium, sometimes in a high school gym. And there's a lot of that that still happens on the indie scene today. The business, you know. Yeah, I was uh, watching the wrestlers on Netflix and they at one point they're performing in a city park and there's like 10 people. Yeah. Well, think we've gone to we've gone to Fan X, uh -huh. and there's a local wrestling promotion here. Uh, I think it's Devotion Championship Wrestling or something like that, and they're performing just in the middle of the vendor floor at, at Fan X, and you've got a you know a circle of people kind of standing around watching. But like, yeah, that's that's paying your dues, right? And uh, in, yeah, and in the territory days, there wasn't a big promotion like WWE that was national, and so. You kind of, if you were in Texas, you were part of world-class championship wrestling and you were at the top of the game there in Texas. And then if you were, you know, um, in Missouri, then there was a different promotion and, and there were just all these different territories. Um, the big one up in Canada was Stampede Wrestling that was owned by Stu Hart. Um, mm -hmm. And his sons all got into wrestling as well. That's Bret Hart, Owen I Hart. that family, yeah. Um, I grew up on a lot of that, yeah. So... So it was very common. And because of this territory kind of system, you had a lot of families that were in the business. Like the Von Erichs were one wrestling family, but like the Hearts were another one came mm -hmm. up at the same time where because everything was so, so protected in, in kayfabe, which is the term for the, the not real, but you're supposed to believe it's real storylines that happen in wrestling. It's like and method acting. Characters. Never yeah. And and you had to protect all of this. Like there's a scene where Lily James um, 
is sitting with him and, and they they're eating dinner, Zach Efron and her, and she says something about like, well, isn't it all fake? Like they <laughs> at that time they wouldn't admit that it was. And it's uh-huh. not fake. That's not the right term. It's right. scripted, it's a yeah. performance, but it's not fake. You right. still have to be in a certain condition and you have yeah. to practice so you don't get so hurt. Like get. it is yeah. yeah. And and so, but at that time you would never like you were pushing that it was oh. real, that yeah, trying to make it believable. When we're in the screening, and when she asked him that question, I kind of saw Jake kind of go like tense up, like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you want a list of top 10 things to like never say to a professional wrestling, that's probably number one, yeah, by a long shot. Like, just don't say it's fake because it's it's very athletic, it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. Um, yeah, it's just not the right word for it. And and one thing they kind of touch on this a little bit in the movie, and I wish they would have gone a little bit deeper with it, is when the when the brother he he becomes addicted to the drugs, and it, they show him like crushing up a pain pill, um, because at the time, I mean, you had to self medicate because if you went to the doctor and got put into a cast or you got whatever, you were done. You were done. Yeah, and so these guys just did whatever they had to 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 get through the pain to get to the next. Well, and I also cool. don't think that we were that far in medicine and um, physical therapy and other things oh, yeah. that you could do for an athlete. There wasn't that. There wasn't that mm-hmm. stuff to do. And also, like you said, if somebody said they were hurt and they needed to go see a doctor, like they're a wuss. They right. can't handle it. They're not Let's strong enough to be there, you know? So again, yeah. it was this totally different world that we don't live in anymore. Well, you see that at the beginning when he's in, toward the beginning when he's in a match and he gets slammed down hard on the, yeah. on the cement and he couldn't, like, he couldn't move. Like, it wasn't just that he was hurt. Like, he literally just had to, like, drag literally. himself up and into the ring and his dad gives him a hard time after that saying, you know, that's, that's what it's like. You, you got to be tougher than that. They're going to hit hard yeah. because well, you, yeah. if you got up to that point, cause I think that was against Harvey race. Like, wasn't that yes. the, his first championship match? Uh-huh. You get to that point. That's your shot. You can't blow your shot. If you get hurt, then they're not going to wait for you to get better and then put you back in that top spot. They right. just move on to the next person. Because there's 13 other guys behind you that are all chomping at the bit that'll do that. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when um, Kevin, Zach Efron's character, um, kind of goes ballistic on the big wrestler. um, I can't remember names. Uh, Was it Bruiser Brody? I don't remember. But he like literally won't stop. On oh, him. It was Rick Flair. Rick Flair. And and yeah. everybody thinks he went, he was too crazy. His family's like, what the crap were you doing? And then Rick Flair walks in. He's like, Yeah, man, I thought you were soft. I thought you weren't gonna be anything. That was awesome. And he's got blood like coming yeah. down from his face. And he was like, Let's go get drinks. Like, this is cool, <laughs> you know. And so what we would think our reaction was, oh my gosh, like he's out of control. That's crazy. That's what they wanted. They wanted that big performance. The other wrestlers like wanted to, even if you beat them and you went off script, they wanted it to be a big deal. And the one thing that Kevin didn't have um, 
that David had was that the personality of being in the ring. Kevin had the strength and the heart and he would get up and get up. Whereas David, like he was so great on a microphone. He had that personality. um, And so that's kind of why he went in that direction. And so it's different to see what each of the brothers had that made them good and different from the other brothers, because then, you know, you get down to, um, Carrie and Carrie was just like killer instincts. Like he just got in there and he was kind of, he, he turned into a machine because he's an Olympic athlete. He knows that you just go, go, go. And so you could see something change in him. And that's why I think, you know, the performance was so great is that you could see the differences. They didn't all get in there and act like a wrestler, right? Right. They were so different. And we haven't even talked about the superstition of this family. And I like how they, there is this lingering thing in the background, but they don't make that hokey either, right? And when they talk about the, the Von Eric curse, you know, his girlfriend and later wife, is like, no, that's not a, a real thing. We're not even going to worry about it. But it is menacing and it is in the background yeah. and not hokey at all. And, and especially as things not. play out. Yeah. I was going to say, as, as the story progresses, as their lives are progressing, yeah, it would be hard to be living through that. And after tragedy, after tragedy, to be like, no, this is real. Yeah. I mean, to the point where he's, he moves away from his family because he doesn't want to hurt his child, his son. Yeah. I mean, he's sleeping at the gym. He's like living away from his family so that his son doesn't get infected by this. And yeah, like I said, and I thought that his, cause he gives his son hit their actual last name because they changed the name, um, right. the last name. And, but I didn't know until I looked this up that Michael's legal name is that same last name. He yeah. is, is not, um, he doesn't have the Vaughn name on his yeah. um, birth certificate. So I think most of them probably had that. Um, Cause he mentions, you know, that when Kevin changes it on the birth certificate, he mentions that's my actual given name is Atkinson. I think is the, is the last name. Yeah. Except for he didn't ever go by it where Michael at one point like used it publicly. Yeah. So um I just thought that was kind of interesting because it doesn't say under any of their other bios, it doesn't say the Atkinson except Hmm. for on Michael's. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned Val earlier, like why the dad kept passing him up and and you hit on it right there in, in professional wrestling, you've got to have a gimmick that sells that draws heat that people are going to uh, pay to go see. Mm -hmm. And while he had the look, cause he does, he looked awesome. He just never had the mic skills and still doesn't, by the way. He was yeah. on, on AEW a couple days ago because they were trying to promote this movie coming out. Still does not have any mic skills at all. <laughs> that, that apparently never got better. But that that's done in a lot of wrestlers as they get in the big time. They have the look. They've got the in-ring skills. But the minute they get on the microphone, um, Ultimate Warrior. Apart. Oh, my heck. Yes. Ultimate Warrior had no mic skills, but he had the look and he had the physique and he had the, he was kind of like the Goldberg of the, of the era. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where he had the look and, and the feel, but. He'd get on the microphone and he'd say stuff and you're like, I have, like, it's not even a sentence. It's not a, a coherent <laughs> string of thought. It's just, 
he just kept talking and you're like what is he the is kanye he west of wrestling uh yeah it's probably pretty close yeah that's, <laughs> a, that's a good description of, but then of you've got somebody Warrior. like hulk hogan who had the look oh, and, yeah. and had all the mic skills well and that's why hulk hogan hulk hogan was such a big deal because he looked huge he looked awesome but then he could get on the microphone and talk same thing with macho man randy savage yeah. he had the build and the look, but he could also talk on the microphone. Um, and that's why Vince McMahon went with Hogan as he was starting to build his territory. So Vince McMahon, WWE, he's the owner of WWE. And he started, he was, he inherited the WWF, which was a territory in the Northeastern United States. And he decided, I'm just going to take over the whole country. I'm just going to build a promotion that goes coast to coast and that's what eventually became the WWF and then the WWE. And so we see Carrie that, you know, we're kind of getting into this age because Carrie in this movie ends up in the WWF. Um, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying it. They get in trouble for saying it on their broadcast, but I can say it because I'm not that. So he gets into the WWF and actually wins the Intercontinental Championship, which is the second highest title. And like he, that's making it at that point because if you can get, you're on pay-per-views, you're on weekly television, all of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and that's where you want to end up. And it still is. I mean, if you're going right. into wrestling, that's the dream. You want to be on, on TV, on WWE. But he, you know, Vince McMahon went to Hogan because he had the mic skills. He was the total package of the look. And, the, and he really built that company off of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So. But, well, it. and the really one of the things I really loved about this, this film, which I also think was super smart because it did take the hokey out of what a general audience would think about the wrestling. And that was the coloring in the cinematography, mm -hmm. the coloring of this film really was grounded and it's these neutral colors until yeah. you're outside. And then it's kind of this overexposed light. Um, and it just, it, it made you, um, comfortable but uncomfortable at the same time but then the camera angles in the fighting like yeah, mm -hmm. as they were like these because it is very hard to shoot wrestling to shoot um boxing like all right. of those because you have to be so you can't do a wide shot like you can in a football game or you know whatever mm -hmm. like you have to be tight to have these things make sense and to have them really have that impact and it it was really cool and it was tight. It was moving around, but it wasn't jolty. Right. And and one of my things that I loved about this is they set the camera up and let the scene happen. happen. There wasn't, and a, that, in a lot of sports movies, especially, you get a lot of really fast edits. Yeah. You get a lot of really fast cuts. And in this one, they would just let the scene happen, yeah. even in the wrestling um, moments, but the the shot that I loved that it's one of my favorite shots of the year is um, after I think it's um, after his brother gets in the motorcycle accident, and Carrie goes into the ring by himself, and he's basically like trying to just deal with all of this trauma, Kevin. all of these issues. Kevin, Kevin, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, and and he starts the the camera the the focus is very narrow, and it's just on the top rope. And so his back's in focus by the back rope and he runs away from the camera to the other side of the ring and then comes back, he hits the rope and the rope starts going in and out of focus because that depth of field is so shallow. And then the, 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 
the lens is slowly being pulled to go even more out of focus as he's running because he's losing everything. And this is all he's trying to focus on. And he can't even concentrate on that. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. That's we a cute face, Tracy. It's a it cute freeze frame, though. Like yeah, I kind of, yeah. I kind of want to screenshot that. I, I love <laughs> that scene too, and probably for a very different reason than Tracy, because I'm not the cinematography nerd that he is, which I love that he is. But yeah. I loved it because that's a, a thing that that's an exercise, a common one, running the ropes that they do yeah. to kind of stay in shape and kind of run that routine and and everything else. So the fact that that's what he did. Um, to kind of get that that uh, stress and and everything that he was dealing with, it was cool because they run the ropes all the time as professional yeah. wrestlers. So. I do have to say that I I really love that shot, and I think it was one of the only shots in the movie that I think deserved to have um, that that kind of blurry focus because there were if I can the one complaint that I have about that movie is that there were a lot of out of focus shots and there were a couple that made sense and some of them were a little misplaced for me um but that one that shot was yeah and we get the entire length, full length version of Tom Sawyer, which was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you did. were going to be, as soon was, as it came on, I was like, I was like, cause sometimes they like guys. put it in the trailer and you're yeah. like, and, and Jake, please, you know, give more of the background on this for those that don't know, but like they have the song in the trailer, um, you know, Rush, Tom Sawyer by Rush. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But then sometimes it's not there. And then when they start to play it in the movie, I'm thinking, oh, you're going to get like a 15, 20 second sample. They did like the whole song so jake yeah give the background on that well yeah so he carrie did go by that that moniker the modern day warrior and it did come from the tom sawyer song by rush um and it's interesting because later in his career he tagged with jim helwig who is the ultimate warrior um and so i wonder you know where he was the modern day warrior jim helwig at one point was the dingo warrior don't ask what, what? what? The dingo warrior. Yeah. Wow. Dingo ate my baby. Yeah, exactly. He'll eat your baby. Uh, and then eventually became ultimate warrior. So I don't know if there was a tie in there, but they did tag together at some point. But yeah, that was his moniker, modern day warrior, before he came to the WWF where they changed it to the Texas Tornado because mm. they had the worst names at that dingo time. Warrior. Maybe dingo that's warrior. Dingo warrior. Yep. I know Tracy's fluffy cakes. Maybe I need a DVD right. dingo warrior. Yeah, Fluffy Cakes, I don't know if that would work so well as like a wrestling name. Like uh, I, I don't, know, I don't think you should cake. I don't think you should assume Dude, that's a yeah. baby face right there. Yeah, well, it would have to be a baby face, yeah. <laughs> baby uh, face, baby the, face, those are the good guys in wrestling. Heels are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. I could be a baby face. I could totally yeah. yeah. I'd have a hard time pulling off the heel. No, you you would I'd have a hard time. But there, there are a lot of heels that, you know, in their personal life were, were very much like you, Tracy, very kind and but gracious. But I just bust up laughing and stuff. I couldn't keep it. One of, one of the biggest heels that I remember from the early 90s was Earthquake. Oh, yeah. And he had a reputation behind the scenes of being just one of the nicest guys. Oh, okay. And everybody loved him. But oh, man. That, in the ring, he was menacing. Era. And yeah. That whole era, there were some great names. There was Tsunami. 
Yeah, um, tsunami. Before that, before tsunami, he was tugboat. Tugboat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I remember yeah. that. That's not uh, a good idea at all. He, yeah. he was a big dude. Uh, and after he was tsunami, and he went over to WCW, he was the Shockmaster. And if you want to see one of the most famous wrestling clips ever, go to YouTube and search the Shockmaster uh-huh. WCW and. Uh, it's, I would it's, definitely put WCW after you put yeah, that Yeah, don't in. just Google search uh, Shockmaster. That okay, yeah, that's fine. But I'm telling you, you need to go look this up. <laughs> look at my look at Fern how Hi, she just buddy. sits like a lady. She just Hello. sits yeah. like a lady. Yes, she does. She's very. Confident. She's my dog's more of a lady than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we give grades on this one? Yeah. Value uh, on skirt. You want me to start? Yeah. Sure. This... Ladies first. <laughs> this Ladies one... first. So Fern oh. needs to go. And then. Oh, you... Fern, what <laughs> do you think of. She's tired of me watching movies. She's uh, over yeah. it. She's like, like over she... movies. She is so over it. Um, I, I, I was kind of in a conundrum on if I wanted to give this a B plus or an A minus uh-huh. um, because it is. To me, it is one of my top 10 movies of the year. And I would definitely watch this movie over and over again. Um, I mean, not like back to back or anything. Right, right, right. Um, but if it's on but, Yeah. I mean, I would go back specifically probably at least one more time to pick it and watch it. And then like yeah. maybe next year or the year after. But I would definitely suggest it. Um, but I went with a B plus because there were like a few of the out of, out of focus moments. Um, and because I know it's going up, up against another movie, a couple other movies that are A's and it's not yeah. quite there for yeah. me, but a B plus is still a high grade. This is such a good movie. Like you've got to see it. And I would definitely recommend seeing it in the theater first. I mean, I still think it'll play well, you know, yeah, on right. your big screen at home. But if you can get to the theater, this is one of those that you wouldn't regret paying that money. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. And I think releasing this where they have, because Mm -hmm. December is typically the, you know, either the big budget uh, Christmas type movies that come out or kind of the award ceremony serious kind of. And I feel like this belongs in that category. Mm -hmm. Um, I would give it an a minus uh while we were there babe asked why an a minus i couldn't give him a good answer then but as i thought about it rick flair is why it's an a minus and not an a <laughs> I, I can't yeah I'm sorry, i can't forgive it like, that was that was the one another reason even the yeah. strut like he's got yeah like, the strut, was, strut and it and wasn't what right was, what was so hard about it is harvey race they got so spot on when they showed him and the actor that played him like i thought it was legitimately the guy, right? Uh-huh. I thought it was hard. I thought they found old footage of him and they were putting it into the movie. And so to be so off with Ric Flair was just disappointing. But but no, I think I think knowing the history behind the story and everything, I think they do a good job of depicting it. They leave out some key things though. Um, and I think they inflate Kevin's role a little bit. Um, yeah. But 
overall, I think the story it tells is is well done. I mean, I feel like I, they have to, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they they have to do something for that. And I I really I think I want to change my grade to the A minus. Oh. I've been so like on the fence mm -hmm. about it, but I think an A minus is better. So I'm changing. I'm flip flopping into the A minus category. And and I'm I'm the same way. I'm right on the A minus B plus range. Um, I, I kind of maybe just a hair more on the B plus, but it's, it's right there. Um, the, the acting was phenomenal. Um, that scene where they're having breakfast and the dad is like, everybody knows that he's the favorite. He's second. He's third. It's like that. And it's <laughs> like that sets up the whole relationship right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it, that's something most dads would say kind of joking to like tease their kids. But, but like, he was, was dead serious. He was dead serious. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think he made one joke the entire movie. No. 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 And it would have felt weird if he did. Like at the very <laughs> end, he had a pillow joke. It would have like, been like the record scratch moment, you know? Where yeah. He's like, yeah. Um, I thought the acting was phenomenal. I'm, I'm not usually a, a Zac Efron fan. I mean, he's fine at what he does. But this was the first time where I was like, okay you impressed me. Like, I felt like there was some real stuff going on there. Um, there was a lot of stuff that I, that I knew, but there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. Um, the brother with the motorcycle accident, and I won't spoil that in case somebody hasn't seen the movie yet, but that shocked me. And Jake, you told me later, um, he, he continued he to perform after the accident and didn't tell people. Yeah. Like, people did not know what happened. And so that's just, incredible it's one of the few films where i i would say that i wish it was a little longer almost always we complain that it was too long and it's like i kind of wish that they would have worked in the the younger brother story and i get why they cut it i get why they took it out they felt like it was going to be too much tragedy too much story but i just kind of feel like they could have just put a little bit more in there if it was another 10 or 15 minutes even yeah. five minutes with that brother you could explain he's got brittle, brittle bone disease and then well but even the way that he went out it yeah. it would have pushed in the end like a little bit more exactly um, and, and I, I think the ending yeah. would have hit a little bit harder and it's yeah. i mean it like hit it pretty did. hard but it yeah, did. yeah it did. It did. but i like the fact Val, you said you talked about how grounded it was yeah. and then at the very end you get kind of this very fantasy-esque moment but it worked yeah like, it yeah. did not take yeah. me out of it at all i thought that was well deserved well so. And I think one of the most powerful scenes of the movie is that quiet one at the end when all the boys are out of the house because yeah. she's had this full house and the mom is in there, you know, painting and he walks in, the father walks in. He's like, like, what are we having for dinner? And she's like, well, I'm not hungry. <laughs> and he, yeah. he just picks up a chair and sits down at the table. And that's, that's that, you know, yeah. like yeah. it was again, there, 2023 was the year of these quiet, well-made movies. And when wow. we talk about kind of like our year in review in a couple of weeks, um, most of the movies that I'm picking are not these big blockbuster movies, right. but these just quiet, well-made movies. And unfortunately, if you go to like Variety um, or, all, or to see any of like the predictions for the nominees for all of the award shows... The Iron Claw is only on there a few times and yeah. none of it is for acting or best picture which or is, best director, um, which to me yeah. is, but it, I get it. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of big movies that were made for award shows. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, you know, I have a lot of unpopular opinions too. We'll get into that when we do our award show episode, but I do think this is going to be one of those that it may get lost in the shuffle for a yeah. little bit, yeah. um, kind of like air at the beginning of the year. Um, and, uh, there's another one, um, you hurt my feelings, uh, oh. which is another a 24 movie. And I just think because there are these kind of epic movies that came out this year, that stick out like a sore thumb. Um, I think that this movie may get lost a little bit, no. yeah. but, but I hope not. I hope that it, I hope that, that it gets up there. I hope if people want, go out Christmas day and do their tra tradition and, and go pick this movie. If you want a smart, well-made, interesting film with real, meat on the bone this is one to go check out and it will surprise yeah. you which doesn't yes. happen very it, often it, it's not you don't have to be a wrestling fan yeah you, know, right. you don't have to not at be, all you know i mean go go and see wonka with the family and have the family um wonka's you know. already out so you know. no but that's what i'm saying i mean if yeah. you haven't seen it do the family thing but i mean because yeah. this is obviously not one you yeah, want to don't take don't take home. your kids to this one um, unless your kids are 18 yeah but yeah, but, again, I feel bad. I'm not telling you what to do with your kids, but this is not it's not as family friendly as Wonka would yeah. be. Yeah, but the, the, this is I think one under that, 16 say, would be a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it's in my top 10, and I would say definitely don't sleep on this one. Go check this one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Iron Claw comes out this weekend. We are gonna post this episode on Friday, which normally we do it on Monday, but we wanted to get this out while it's out there because I hope it does find its audience. And if we can play some small role in helping someone find that <laughs> film, then, then I want to do that. So um, check it out if you haven't. Um, otherwise, we will be back with our year in review for 2023. We're hoping to get that out the first Monday in uh, January, which is uh, conveniently right January up. 1st. Yes, coming right up. And then, uh, and then we've got stuff going on all throughout January, including our run in uh, Disneyland. And we'll you guys posted on that, but thank you so much for your support. Uh, and we appreciate it very much. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy holidays. And enjoy we won't see the, enjoy the time and, and enjoy your families. Yep. Absolutely. Are you going to sing rush for us, Tracy? I can't hit the Getty Lee notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will say though, the middle drum solo section is one of the most famous drum solos. I'm sorry. I said anything I'm of all time. Yeah. Yeah, got started. <laughs> this is on you. This has been an Age of Geek Media Production.